He's a Brother Booker's a gentle giant. Love this man and the anointing of the Lord on him. He's a tremendous preacher. And uh, we love him. Brother Booker, we're glad you're here. We love you. Love you, Brother Lyles. Praise the Lord, everybody. Oh, what a mighty God. Amen. If you don't love Brother Lyles, there's something broke inside you. Praise God. These are wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people. And uh, I want to say to this church, I appreciate you honoring them and uh, and that that tour that you that tour that cruise that you've sent them on that's a great cruise I, I went on the exact same cruise the gospel singing cruise and uh, you will not be disappointed uh, it's a good thing you're going in August we went in September and we got caught in a typhoon. Now, I don't mean kind of. I mean a real deal. And uh, I'm going to encourage you and your wife right now. <laughs> but, I mean, it, it was so bad, it was funny. We opened, we was getting on an elevator, and there was a woman in a mink coat lying. Well, anyway, she was sick. And, uh, and all of the crews helped laying in the hallways and all of the stakes that were on the dinner tables. We hit the first wave and everything hit the floor. And half the night, I, one minute all the blood was in my head and then all the blood was in my feet. It took all of the deck chairs off the top deck. Everything. And my wife sat there with a wastebasket saying, are we going to make it? So you all have a good time. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> nah, we went, we went uh, in September 1st. No, I'm teasing. We went, we went in September. We were on the last one. So you'll have a great time. And uh, I think this is really, really, you'll, you'll love it. And uh, it's great of that church to do it. I did not know. Brother Lyles, 35 years ago, uh, by the mercies of God, I was in church. I'd been in church two years when he came here. But I have known Brother Morgan since he's about eight or nine years old, when his dad was pastoring up in Kansas. We went up there and preached for them. And he, him and his brother was little boys, and... Uh, I've known them all these years, and I'm going to tell you, I've never known of or seen these boys bobble. They've never bobbled. They, what you see today, in varying degrees, that's what they have been all their lives. We're proud of them. We're proud of them. We're proud of you, brother. I mean that. Proud of you, brother. And your parents are proud of you, boys. I'm telling you, God bless you. That ain't no small thing in this day and age. And God bless you. Well, and boy, a lot of preachers here. My. And didn't Brother McMullen and Brother Coon do awesome today? That was so good. And uh, Brother McMullen, well, Brother Coon 
My, my reading glasses are right over there. I'm one of those sorry guys that needs that stuff. But here's the secret. That your next step is you got to go to the computer to print out your messages. And you got to print them out in 20 and 18 font. <laughs> and then that way you won't need your glasses, see? I'm here, I'm here to help you. Praise God. Amen. Now, I don't think that the preaching can be improved. You got that down, but I can help you with them glasses. Praise God. And uh, that was so good today. And I'm going to tell you, I hope you were listening today when Brother McMillan was preaching. I hope you were really listening because I have heard him preach that before. And I'm telling you, and I'm not, I'm not just saying this. Trust me that that message, since I've heard it, I rehearse it every day. Every day. Every day. I'm going to tell you, I want to be a friend to Jesus. He's always been a friend to me. But, oh, I want to be his friend. He's got a lot of people. He's got a lot of children. He's got six billion people in the world. And there are millions of people baptized in Jesus' name and got the Holy Ghost. Believe it or not, there really is. And, 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 and I'm meeting more all the time, all over the world. Amazing. But, but he's never had many friends. I want to be a friend. Oh, I want to be a friend. So anyway, so we're here. We, we could go home right now and be happy, and I'd probably be happier if we did. But... Um, I'd like for us to stand. I'm one of those guys that Brother McMullen made mention of that if I preach a message that I've preached before, and I know it's a possibility that people have heard it, I, I will apologize, but it's not very sincere because <laughs> I've learned that that really doesn't bother me. But I'm, I'm, there is a worse situation than that. That's having a message on your heart that you've never preached in your life, not even in your home church. Yeah, it's tough. We're fixing to find out how tough it really is. And, uh, and, and the Lord gave me this here probably a couple of weeks ago. And I, I've just, I, I've never, I wanted to preach it in our church. I thought I was going to preach it Wednesday night, and I felt something else. So... This is fresh off the press, praise God. And uh, somebody made mention of Brother Goodrose's preaching last night. And I thought, Brother Goodrose used to say, you don't even know a message until you've preached it a hundred times. Well, God bless him. <laughs> Here we go. I'm going to ask you if you would to turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter number 2. Second Samuel, it is so good to have everybody here, and uh, it, this is a good place to come and worship God and feel God, and this, this 35th and 60th anniversary of the history of this church, God bless you for coming, it's so wonderful, and I, I, I saw Brother Alviar, and I'm going to tell you, Brother Alviar probably, between his left hand, his right hand, his left foot, his right foot could probably count the number of nights he's been home this year. And here he is. Here he is. And, and, and he's, 
He's not speaking. He's here to honor brother and sister Lyles in this church. And I'm going to tell you that God bless you, brother. God bless you. And if you ever get in my neck of the woods and I got a free night, I'm going to come here. You praise God. Of course, you owe me because you're supposed to be at my place. So let's set that date again tonight. How's that? Okay. In fact, hand me my. No, I'm teasing. We'll do it. We'll do it later. You got. He's like Elijah. You got to nail him down. Praise God. Okay, 2 Samuel 2, we're going to begin reading at verse number 12. 2 Samuel 2, verse number 12. And Abner, the son of Ner, and the son of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, went, and the servants, excuse me, and the servants of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, went out from Mahanaim to Gibeon. And Joab, the son of Zeruiah, and the servants of David, went out and met together by the pool of Gibeon, and they sat down, the one on the one side of the pool, the, and the other on the other side of the pool, and Abner said to Joab, let the young men now arise and play for us, before us, play before us. And Joab said, let them arise. Then there arose and went over by number twelve of Benjamin, which pertained to Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and twelve of the servants of David. And they caught everyone his fellow by the head and thrust his sword in his fellow's side, so they fell down together. Wherefore that place was called Helkath. Hazarim, which is in Gibeon. And there was a very sore battle that day, and Abner was beaten, and the men of Israel before the servants of David. And let's pray together, and let's, let's do ask that God would indeed have his way and talk to all of us tonight. Lord Jesus, we are very mindful of you tonight. And we thank you, Lord, for your gracious goodness, your unbelievable mercy. Lord God, smile on us yet again tonight. Let your word go forth as your spirit has gone forth. But, O oh God, in great measure, deal with our hearts and our minds and our souls, God. We stand in awe of you, Jesus, and commit this service into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. God bless you so much. You may be seated. Now, uh, you know, there are some things it has been well stated, and I have repeated, that some things uh, can be taught and some things have to be caught. I don't know where exactly all this is going to lie tonight. Uh, when I think of a meeting such as this, I wonder if this fits. But when I stop and remember this is a Bible conference, that makes me feel much more comfortable. When you add to that the fact that I do know that the peoples that have gathered here tonight are people that are hungry to hear the word of the Lord. Uh, that, that puts me at great, great, great peace. 
And so I don't know if this will be a preaching-teaching mode. Uh, I don't know the difference between preaching and teaching, except when I teach, I go a little slower and a little longer. <laughs> uh, also, when I'm preach, <laughs> that's good. That's good. That's good. Also, when I preach, sometimes, when I preach, sometimes the first four rows get spit on. But when I teach, only the first two rows tend to get it. Teach, <laughs> preach. Okay. Unless I go back in the crowd, of course. So, at any rate, uh, we'll find out where we are on this. But I do have to give us some background here. Most of us are familiar with it. But uh, before this day came, there had been a lot, a lot, a lot of water under many bridges to bring these two men, Abner and Joab, and their two, no doubt, quasi-many armies. It isn't like they had amassed the multiple, multiple, multiple thousands from Judah or from Israel. They were just, they were there by the hundreds. It becomes obvious in the rest of the scriptures we could have read. And it is, it is a, a day that nobody that was there, I'm sure, ever, ever forgot. And we have read of Abner, who was the captain of the host for King Saul. And then when King Saul died, his horrid, long-time-coming, ignominious death, and the southern tribes of Judah, tribe of Judah and peoples of Judah, made David their king. And the hearts of many Israelites were towards David. He seemed so obvious. But Abner, Abner made Ishbosheth the son of Saul to be king. And it was a pretty shrewd political move. I think Abner did it not because he cared for Saul or Ishbosheth. Uh, he probably did it because he didn't want to lose his office as being captain of the host. And so it was a political move. And, and I do think that this obviously added to animosities that were already deep and very long-standing. I think there was real question in the minds of David's followers and in David's mind himself that perhaps some of King Saul's desperate plots and ploys to kill David were spurred on, possibly by Abner. Now, he had his demons of his own. It's not that he needed human help. But it, it seems to lend itself to that because on one of the occasions when Saul and his army were out hunting David, as David said, I feel like a flea on the back of a dog. And, and the Lord put a deep slumber on them to where David and another son of Zeruiah, Joab's brother, Abishai, came down into the camp. And there Abishai whispers to David, let me smite him. It'll only take one stroke. I won't have to hit him twice. And David said, and you think we'll be guiltless? 
for touching the Lord's anointed. And so he takes the spear by his side and the cruise of water and he goes up on yonder hill and he begins to wake that army from their deep slumber calling out for Saul, amen. And when he knows everybody's awake, he does not address Saul, but he addresses Abner. And he said, Abner, you are worthy of death because your master that you're supposed to protect could be a dead man tonight. And if you don't believe it, Saul, look around for your spear and your cruise of water. I've got it here by me. And then he goes on to say, King, why do you let men stir you up against me? Seeing's I'm your friend and I'm da-da-da-da-da. So, kind of lends itself. I'm sure that Abner was kind of, when that deal was over. And, and so, so uh, when he made Ishbosheth king upon the death of Saul, it probably just added to those feelings. You add to that that there was a 10-year, give or take, years of real deep animosity, hatred, persecution, hunting and hunting by Saul, trying to find and get his hands on David. And, uh, and here is Joab with him, Abishai with him, their brother Asahel with him, men that had gathered that were in debt, distress, and discontent, some of which he could turn into mighty men of valor, and others were sons of Belial all their days till the day they died. And that's the way it works. But, amen, a host began to come to David when he was Hebron, in Hebron from all of the tribes until the Bible said it was like the host of heaven of people coming to David longing, longing for leadership that, that Saul in his backslidden condition was not, did not provide and now Ishbosheth and Abner wasn't bringing to pass, etc., etc., etc. And so all of this comes into play and then you add to this that this, this fracas that took place took place in Gibeon. In Gibeon. Now granted, Gibeon and Benjamin is very, very close to Judah. They were, they were next door neighbors. But technically speaking, Joab and his men were in Benjamin's territory. They were in Israel's territory. Abner and his men were not in Judah's territory. And so they get there and uh, they see each other and, and Abner probably decides not to make an issue like, what are you doing on our turf? But it's interesting that they're, they sit down and there's a pool of water between them. Now, I'll guarantee you, you could feel it there at those, that pool. I don't know what light banter, if any, took place before. There had to be something. But in the course of... Hello, Joab. Long time no see. Last time I saw you was when you and your men had us Kareth Jarhim, and you thought you had us surrounded. 
But the Philistines came and you decided to go about what you should have been doing anyway. And back and forth. We don't know the details, but you can rest assured it was somewhere in that territory. And, uh, and finally, it is Abner. It is Abner that makes the statement to Joab, let the young men now arise and play before us. And Abner says, let them arise. And now we know again from the narrative there was literally hundreds and hundreds of men there. And, uh, but 12 on each side ended up in the original fracas. So it didn't just, they didn't just pop up. I believe, okay, this is cool. So, so this army stands and Abner goes to his men and Joab goes to his and they start picking out, I want you, I want you, I want you. And, and they're young men, they're young men. And you better believe he got the strongest men. The 12 youngest, most able men. I don't think he took volunteers. I don't believe any one of them took volunteers. They were picking out the best, the cream of the crop. Men that if you're going to play, you're going to really play hard. And they met. Part of me, you wonder if they didn't meet in a pool, but I guess probably not. It, it seems like it would have said. But regardless, they met. Here is, here's 12 and 12. Here's Abner. Here's Joab. Here's Israelites. Here's followers of David. And now they meet. I don't know how long they, quote, played. But it's obvious it got very, very serious. And because of all of the long-held, built-up, deeply residing animosities and all of the stories that had been told and, and the frustrations on both sides, amen, that they probably played pretty rough from the beginning. But then they came to the place, as I read this, it seems they're grabbing each other by the hair of the head or perhaps by their beards, and playtime's over. Now, they're not just having a little duel of swordsmanship. They're going for the stomachs, and they're going for the heart, and they're going for the throat. And it says they all died. All 24 of them. Both sides. And then Abner and Joab did not just stand up and all their armies say, well, that was interesting. Good day. Hope to see you around sometime. Maybe we'll do this again. It didn't happen that way. When that took place, this long-held, long-standing business snapped. And, buddy, the war was on. Or at least the battle. And the fighting broke out vociferously. Now, to tell you that I believe this was really truly meant to be a minor contest is obvious. Again, out of the hundreds, you only have 12 on each side. The New Living, amen, puts it on this wise, let's have a few of our warriors put on an exhibition of hand-to-hand -hand combat. Taylor says... 
Let's watch some sword play between our young men. And Amplified says, you let the young men now arise and have a contest before us. The word play, amen, in the Hebrew is sokak. It's a primitive root of, from the word that means to laugh, to have pleasure or a detraction by implication to play, to get your mind off other things. But wherever they got started into that game, before that day was over, there would be 380 newly dug graves. Amen. And wives would now be widows. And children would now be fatherless. And mothers and fathers would no longer have their sons when that day was over. Amen. This does not include those that were maimed. Maybe their lives were spared, but you know there were people that were wounded. Very probably many scarred with visible ugly scars for life. Men that lost limbs, that lost eyes, that lost ears, perhaps the ability to walk or work for the rest of their lives before that day was over. Then, when you also consider this, that, and, and, and we do know that Israel was sorely put to the worst. Out of Ishbosheth, i.e. Abner's army, 350 some, if my memory serves me right, were slain, but 20 some of Judah, of David's men. So it was obviously an onslaught. And I believe two factors came to play. Number one was God, a man that just simply said, Israel's been a long time coming, and David's been pushed around 60 ways from Sunday, and so today you're fixing to learn something. Don't mess with my anointed. Secondly, the men that were on David's side had much more at stake. There was more built up. They were the ones that were in debt, distress, and discontent to begin with. They, they were the ones that left home and family. They were the ones that were the outcasts. They were the ones that were haunted and hated. They were the ones, amen, that had scores to really settle. There was much more at stake there. And so it got bad. In the midst of finally fleeing for their lives, Abner jumps on his mule and he's out of there. But there is a young man by the name of Asahel who was Joab and Abishai's brother whom the Bible said had the ability to run as fast as a deer. And he's following hard after a running mule. Now that dude could run, brother. And, and when Abner, no doubt, is spurring on the mule. But this deer-like runner is behind him. And he's got a long memory. But he's short on wisdom. And uh, it's not like he's following just anybody. Abner is tough. And Abner said, he takes glances behind him. 
Is that you? That's the hell. You better believe it. Turn back. Turn back. How can I face your brother Joab if this goes too far? Just turn back. But he would not be dissuaded. He, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was set. His mind was made up. He was on a roll. He wasn't going to turn back for nothing. He was no doubt running like he had never run in his life. Years. He adored David. He loved David. Amen. He loved his nation and just all. And he was, I will not stop. And then Asahel, amen, in his headlong, headstrong rush to his personal, hopefully, judgment on Ahab. Or Abner. Amen. And Abner, I don't believe, meant to kill him. He takes the spear. He didn't take the sharp end. But he underestimated his strength. He certainly underestimated Asahel's momentum. And he probably just meant to knock him off balance. He wasn't trying to kill him. But he, but he just jerks back the back end side of a spear. Amen. No doubt a flat, round stave. But Asahel is running so hard that it goes all the way through him. And he runs a few more steps. And he falls, never to arise again in his life. And Abner looks back, and he's already had a bad, bad day. And now he knows he's going to have a bad life. And he just, oh. And he takes on out. Here comes Judah. They surround him. Gets on into the nighttime. And Abner rises up with his men that are bleeding and wounded and frightened and thoroughly defeated. Here is a seething Joab and, and Abishai and men are ready to go. And Abner says, come on, Joab. Is the sword going to slay forever? Enough's enough. Come on. Joab said, Surely as God's alive, I was fixing to leave. Or words to that effect. And I was fixing to leave in the morning anyhow. So he, he came to himself. He, he caught himself. He tried to cover his anger. And he went his way. Got his men out. They went home telling a story of great victory. And Abner went home. Amen. But Joab and Asahel went home with very mixed emotions and a deeper hatred than they'd ever had. Amen. When they were just sitting on the other side of the pool. To the point that it wasn't all that long. At the most, a few years. A few years. That... Joab, having Abner left Hebron to or make arrangement with David to install him as king of all Israel. Joab comes while Abner's on away. He hears the story. He's furious with David. He said, he's not here for goodwill. He's here to spy it out. Unbeknownst to David, he sends for Abner. He sends a message that David wants you back. And he gets Abner back into the city of Hebron, which was literally a city of refuge. And then 
He meets him like an old buddy. Hugs. Take him arm in arm as they speak of things. and It's like amends are being made while they're strolling and Abner is not paying close enough attention. The wise old warrior's guard is down and Joab gets him just outside the gate of Hebron where now he's not a messenger of David. He's the avenger of blood. And he brings out and stabs Abner under the fifth rib. And the look of shock and anguish and pain God only knows what else in Abner's face as no doubt Joab twists the knife and Abner falls to the ground as Abishai and Joab stare down into the face of a man that's leaving this life into eternity. And you always wonder, you always wonder what a man's last thoughts were. I wonder if Abner thought, you don't play games with the sons of Zeruiah. That's not the title of my message, but that'd be a good title. Amen. But he could have had these last thoughts. Amen. It could have been, it's not good when games get out of hand. And that is the title of my message, when games get out of hand. When games get out of hand. I, uh, I came to the Lord when I was 19. I was young, but I did have a lot of miles on me. And uh, was raised in southern Colorado, a place called Pueblo. This is not my testimony tonight. I'm, I'm moving through this and moving on. But I went to a high school called South High School. South High School during our years there, did not get a real great reputation. And, and we had, I had a, a teacher in his first year, in my senior year, and he was a big, strong, buff guy. And he could have took on any of us and thrummed us. But, but he talked to me one day and he said, you know, he said, uh, this high school has a horrible reputation. Now, this is back in 71. And so we know how the world has changed since 71. But he said, every teacher out of college wants to get a job and said, there seems to be more openings in South High School than others in Pueblo because there's a quick turnover. People don't want to stay there very long. And, and said, but, but, but nobody really wants to come to South because of the student population. Well, I, I picked up pretty quick why he was telling me this because <laughs> I think he felt like I was part of the problem. And, uh, and, and it probably was. But anyway, there was uh, interesting times and days back then. And, and there was a lot of rivalry, a lot of rivalry between South High School and Central High School and South and Centennial and South and East and South and County High School and, and, and South and the Catholic High School. A lot of bad blood. 
And it really tended to come out in the opens whenever there was a game to be held, especially football. But, but it could all happen in any, any of the sports that they had. And, uh, and, and the games would easily get out of hand, even on the field, even on the field. And, and I remember, and, and I, there's a reason for me talking about this. I'm certainly glorifying it. But I remember, I remember uh, being in the middle of the field, amen, in my senior year, and the whistle being blown and the referee saying, we've had enough of this. And in the third quarter, they called off the game. They said, it's over. The game is over. Because there had been so much fighting and gouging and kicking on the field by the players. It was like Joab and Abner's boys. And uh, the games would get out of hand. It was too wild. It got too rough. It got too crazy. And then after the games, the people, the punks, everybody going to the cars, the words that were flung, amen, and, and on and on and on. But that's nothing compared to now when you read of the way that things go in Europe when they have soccer games. And you let Britain lose a soccer game. And you're going to find out who can be mean and nasty quick. Who can go into the riding. And you let France move, lose a tight game. And you watch and see how many cars can get burned. And, and windows get broke. And, and violence that breaks out. It's, it's insane. It's crazy. They know that people love it too much to ban soccer, but they don't know what to do with the problem because the games get out of hand. And they just don't know what to do with it. Be beatings and the bombings and the clubbings, amen, and then the police and the tear gas and on and on and on and the arrests and the charges and, and it's just, it just, it's bad when games get out of hand. I remember me and my, my buddies when we were young, and we were about 14 or 15. We'd get all the boxing gloves we could get our hands on. And there might be 12, 13 to 15 of us. Seven on one side, eight on the other side, whatever. We'd all have boxing gloves. One would be on one side of a yard and the other's on the other. And then when somebody would scream, we'd attack each other with boxing gloves and and. Uh, People laugh and carry on. But it got out of hand. And the things that we decided to do for kicks got out of hand pretty quick. Like for thrills where we'd see who had the most guts and the best grip by getting on the hoods of vehicles going down the semi-curvy road, some real curvy, on Burnt Mill Road at south side of Pueblo. Amen. Dirt roads where we'd go 100 miles an hour Kids riding on the hood of the car, hanging on to the Pontiac Indian head. It, it was games getting out of hand. And, uh, and then if that, that wasn't enough, then we would go to shooting cigarettes out of each other's mouths and tin cans off each other's heads with pistols, 22 pistols and rifles. And then if that wasn't bad enough, one time when we got done doing that, we were walking back to the car and I heard, click! And I said, what was that? Nothing, man, it's cool. But I noticed my friend Rich was a little pale, which was hard because he was strong Hispanic. And when he got pale, 
it took a lot. And I said, what happened back there? The next, I said, I want to know what happened. I said, you tell me what happened. He said, well, he said, see, I had a, I had a nickname. They called me Lucky because there were so many times I should have been dead, but I was spared by the mercies of God. And, and my buddy Lauren decided, I'm going to see how lucky he really is. And he took three bullets out of the six that were in the cartridge, and he spun the cartridge and pointed at my back before he could think and snapped it. That's what, I, what, that's what the snap was, to see how lucky I was. Apparently I was lucky, praise God. That's what you call when games get out of hand. Games get out of hand. I mean, arguments can get out of hand. I remember, I remember a girl named Marcy. She was never my girlfriend. I was never her boyfriend. And, but she was, she, she was like a sister to me, and we fought. We fought like brothers and sisters. And one time we was having a big party up in Beulah, up in the mountains, and, and, uh, and, I, and I was arguing with her, and she was so easy to argue with. And, and I said, well, why don't you just hit me? Well, she did. <laughs> I mean, she really did. And it made me mad. Well, we happened to be standing on the edge of a cliff. And I would say, how tall is that, 18 foot? 19 foot. Well, it was about that tall. I think it was about 20. On the edge of a cliff, about 20 foot. And when she did that, I grabbed her, and I hung her over the cliff, and I started shaking her. <laughs> and she was screaming, and people were screaming. The problem was I lost my balance. And we fell through the air. As I speak right now, I can feel myself falling. I can feel the two, two large round rocks. She landed on her back on one, and I landed my back on the other. I'll never, it's a wonder my head's even here. And I, wham! And I thought, now you're dead. <laughs> and when I began to first feel anything and then feel pain and finally get a breath. I knew I was still alive, but I thought, you'll never walk again. But we both were able to get up by and by and walk out of there. But it's a case of games going too far. So I came to God when I was 19. God in his mercy filled me with the Holy Ghost. I was baptized in a cow pond. In Jesus' name, on Easter Sunday, 1972, five nights later, I received the gift of the Holy Ghost. I wish I could tell you that in the last 37 years, I've never seen games go too far. But I, I have to tell you, I've seen games go too far. I've seen games go too far. As a pastor, I've, I've seen silly girls and silly boys and even sillier wives and sillier husbands start playing little flirting games. And they think it's just a little thing. But I'm going to tell you something, those games can go too far real, real quick. And I have seen broken homes and broken hearts and broken lives 
and broken children and broken churches from people who let games get out of hand. Games that went too far and got out of hand. I've seen attitudes and, and outlooks and, 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 and domains and, and turfs get in people's hearts where they, they get the feeling like we own this thing. I'm talking about saints, preachers, and everybody. I'm going to tell you who shed his blood for it was Jesus. It belongs to him. He is the head of the church. But I've seen people get so quirky. And when I make this statement, there's people under the sound of my voice. You will know exactly where I'm talking about. Several of us know of a church that actually split and divided because somebody bought a vacuum cleaner that somebody else didn't think they should have done that. And my God, can you imagine a church splitting over a vacuum cleaner? But that's what you call games that went too far. It got way out of hand. I've seen silly, petty, tawdry little rivalries. Amen. Start creating quasi-unkind cutting remarks. And hurts get going. And then statements. And then stories. And then feelings ever-growing between saints. I've seen it between ministries. Amen. I've seen them where it can grow and grow. Get caught up in people's spirits. Find their way onto the wings of the wind of Pentecost over the silliest, stupidest stuff. But watch them grow as the games get out of hand. And then there comes to the ever-never-ending, ever-feeding sources, if you're not careful, of literally decades of problems and disruptions and corruptions and lives and friendships and families and splitting wars. I'm talking about when games get out of hand and people don't stop and think. Now, you say, Brother Booker, is, are you going to get any happier before we get out of here? I really don't know. I've never preached this before. Praise God. I sure hope so. Hallelujah. I think of individuals that, like Proverbs 26, as a madman. The Bible says, as a madman casteth firebrands, arrows, and death. So is the man that deceiveth his neighbor and saith, am I not in sport? Just kidding. But the games get out of hand. Or as the New Living puts it, just as damaging as a madman shooting a lethal weapon as is the boy in Germany and the man in Alabama going on a rampage and destruction in life and heartbreak and sorrow, amen, is someone who lies to a friend and then says, I was only joking. No, no, no. You better be careful, sir, ma'am. You better, you better, because games can get out of hand real easy. There's a reason the Bible says walk circumspectly. Amen. Doesn't mean we can't have fun. Doesn't mean we can't have banner. All of that. But, 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 
we need to have a certain something that knows a sensitivity. A man that says, God, I don't want to be sitting across a pool somewhere and cause destruction and maiming. Amen. And let games get out of hand. Amen. Or as it also says in the 26th chapter, verses 21 through 23, as coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. And then in verse 22, the words of a talebearer are as wounds. They go down into the innermost parts of the belly. And burning lips in a wicked heart are like a potsherd covered with silver dross. Or as one puts it, a quarrelsome man starts fights as easily as a match sets fire to paper. Gossip is a dainty morsel when eaten with great relish. And then it closes up with pretty words may hide a wicked heart just as pretty glaze covers a common clay pot. But you've got to watch out for words because it can get out of hand real easy. Such as were warned in Ecclesiastes 10, amen, 12 and 13. The words of a wise man's mouth are gracious, but the lips of a fool will swallow up himself. The beginning of the talk of his mouth is foolishness. The end of his talk is mischievous madness. We've all lived long enough to appreciate the statement made by Samuel Johnson that a a lie will go around the earth twice while truth's getting its boots on. That was before the age of internet. Now, a lie can go around the world 50,000 times before truth even knows about it. Amen. And it can get, it can get bad real quick. And real easy. Amen. And, and I've seen people, they just don't seem to care. They just don't seem to care that lives and reputations and ministries and ministers and churches and families can be fed wholesale into grist mills of gossip and rumor and hearsay and quite often total make-believe. And nobody calls anybody's hand on it. And nobody, or, you know, I, I, I got there's a couple of, the girls in our church hadn't been in church all that long. Amen. And, and, and they're, 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 they're savvy. They're very, very, very smart. And uh, they love the church. They got in. Love it. They came up to me one night, their sisters, and said, you know, there's a lot of people that hate you. And I said, and you've been on the Internet. And they said, yeah, we have. It's just out there. I said, you can't worry about that. I said, you know, the only time people don't talk about you is if you're dead, amen, and they're at your funeral. You gotta, your body's got to cool off before they start back up. <laughs> amen. I said, it just has, it just, it's, it's just that way. Amen. Contemporary English puts it this way. If you talk sensibly, you'll have friends. If you talk foolishly, you will destroy yourself. And boy, and I thought, when that guy wrote this, I wonder if he had that in mind. Fools begin with nonsense, and then their stupid chatter ends up with disaster. Don't let your tongue get out of hand. Don't let games get out of hand. Don't let it get out of hand. 
I've seen people get so tweaked and so messed up, and I may have told this story here, and if I did, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, but, but I, know of a, I know of a man that was, he visited a man's church, and he, he, would, he would come, and he'd come late, he'd leave early, come late, leave early, the pastor could never catch him, then the pastor began to notice he was, he was putting in tithe checks in the offering, and, and, uh, but he couldn't catch him, couldn't catch him, and, and finally he said, let's everybody shake hands and be friendly, and he zoomed down that way, and the man sensed what was happening, got up and was headed out the door, and the pastor caught him. He said, well, you finally caught me, didn't you? He said, yeah, I did. And uh, he said, preacher, I'm just going to, let's just, I'm going to cut to the chase. Don't mess with me. Don't waste your time on me. I'm lost. I'll never be saved. Just let me come and hear some preaching and I'll, I'm going to pay my tithes, but I'll never be saved. So don't waste your time. Well, after many such things, he finally got him to open up. And tell him, said, the reason I'll never be saved is because I'm, I'm a bitter, bitter man. And he named two preachers. If I've told you this, forgive me. He said, but, but there's, there's two preachers, but there's one old man, an old preacher, and I hate his guts. I will hate him throughout eternity. And when he finally got out of him, why do you hate this man so much? He said, because, because over 25 years ago, this upcoming, young, well-known now, preacher was going to marry my sister. And this old preacher got involved and he told that young man, stay away from that girl. Don't have nothing to do with that girl. She ain't for you. And said, so he broke up with my sister and it broke my sister's heart and she couldn't take it. And she backslid. She died backslid. And he said, I will never forgive that preacher as long as I live in my life. So after many, many more sessions, finally, the pastor had the man in his office by the hands. The man is trembling. He said, you're going to say it. You're going to call that old preacher's name. And you're going to say, Brother so-and-so, I forgive you. I forgive you in Jesus' name. I give it all to God. I forgive you. And the man was standing there shaking, sweat pouring off of his head as he was, his eyes were wide. I, I, come on, you got to say it. You got to say it. I, I, and he called the preacher's name and he said, I forgive you. And he hit the floor. If you don't think games... And weird things can get out of hand. He hit the floor. And I don't mean to be gross, but it happened. And it can get out of hand. He hit the floor, vomiting, urinating, and defecating at the same time. And he got himself together. And the next session, he's all cleaned up. He's had a few days. It's time to call the old preacher and make it official. And he's ready. He comes into the pastor's office, and the pastor said, I'm sorry. You can't call him. He's dead. If I called that old preacher's name, most of you preachers knew him. He said, he's dead. You can't call him. So I think the next best thing would be for you to call the 
young man that is now not a young man who broke up with your sister. He said, okay, I will. And so he called him. They happened to get him. He's a good friend of mine as well. The old man that died was a good friend of mine. And through a halting, stuttering voice, the man finally got it out, told him the story, begged his forgiveness. And my friend on the other end of the line said, Brother, uh, you know, any feelings you've had towards me, obviously, I totally, totally forgive you. Uh, you never have to worry about that. But he said, I really have to tell you something. The old preacher that you've hated all these years, he never talked to me, not one time, about your sister. He said, the reason I broke up with your sister was because I went on a long fast and I prayed and prayed and prayed until God spoke to me and said, she's not the one for you. He said, nobody ever talked to me in human form. And the man said, okay, thank you. And he put the phone down and he began to wail. I threw away 25 years of my life over something that never even happened. I'm going to tell you, games can get out of hand. And you're better to leave it off. Don't meddle with it. Because it can get bad and it can get crazy. And stupid chatter can end in disaster. Well, let's take it further. I'm sorry, I didn't get to work the kinks out of this several times. I've lived long enough to see games take place, games of sport, even while preaching's going on. Uh, I have no problem with banter, back and forth, all of that. But if you're not careful, it's so easy to fall into the trap of, let's see who's the toughest. Let's see who's the hardest. Let's see who can draw the tightest line. Let's see who can be the most strident in their denunciations. And it gets going back and forth and back and forth. I'm going to tell you that's anything but healthy. And it can get, it can get bizarre. Like, one man, and, 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 and please, I'm not, don't take this wrong, anybody, okay? Where uh, a man in my church was asked to go visit a meeting and, uh, and uh, was told, and he said, well, yeah, I guess I'd, I'd be glad to cut. And he came to me and said, do you care? I said, no, I don't care. But then the man the man that invited him, he said, now listen, I'm going to tell you this though. When you come, make sure you wear a black suit or a dark brown suit or a dark blue suit. That's the only suit you can wear. 
He said, really? And, and why is that? He said, because that's the only suit you can wear. It's the only colors you can wear. Just curious, why is that? He said, well, I asked that too. The answer is because when Jesus was beaten, his bruises were black and blue and brown. Well, I've had bruises and I've seen them turn yellow. And I've had bruises turn green. And I've been beat when I've had bright red splotches. You know, you can't let things get out of hand, brethren. Now, I don't believe in a polka dot suit. I, 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 think, I think there is a thing called modesty that just says, I don't want to draw a bunch of attention to me. I mean, there's some common sense there. Amen. But, but if we're not careful, games can get out of hand. And in this process, amen, it can end up in areas and arenas where bus ministries are made fun of. Knocking on doors is made fun of. Trying to teach somebody a Bible study to see them saved can be made fun of. Revival can be mocked and made. Come on, listen to me. That's getting out of hand. Life's too short. Souls are too precious. A child going to heaven or going to hell is nothing to make a game of. For God's sake, do what you can to save everybody. Hallelujah. Amen. But you can play all kinds of games in all kinds of directions. Amen. I've also seen, I want to stop here for a second. go back about this flirting around business. I'm going to go back about this internet business. Okay? You know, this anonymity where nobody knows who you are and stupidity is not a good combination. It's not a good combination. I mean, at least if there's no anonymity, you got to answer for your stupidity. And uh, I knew of a guy, I knew of a man, knew his pastor. He got to go and talking to some gal. He got himself worked up into a steam and a frenzy. And this gal was in prison. He could only talk to her on certain times. But boy, did they hook up. And she said, I'm getting out of prison on such and such a date. You pick me up and we'll go live together. And he went in and told his pastor, I'm leaving my family and I'm leaving church. Why? I met somebody. You what? I met somebody. Well, who in the world did you meet? I'm just going to say the name is Pat. Patty Smith. That's just the name. Hope there ain't nobody here named that. Name's Patty. Patty. Patty Smith. Whatever it was. Well, who is she? What's she look like? 
She got brown hair, blue eyes, five foot six. Why are you saying it like that? Who is this? Met her on the internet. You what? Yeah. Then he went home and told his wife and said, I'm leaving it to you to tell the children. A fool in capital letters. And he went down to the prison on that day to pick up his girl. And he said, I'm here to pick up Patty Smith. Who? Patty Smith. Who's Patty Smith? She's getting out today. The guard said, two o'clock? Yeah. Well, there is a Pat Smith being released at two. And you do know, sir, this is an all-male prison. Now, I'm going to tell you, these games can get out of hand, brother. There better be something that says, God, I want you looking over my shoulder. I want my wife looking over my shoulder. I want my husband looking over. I want my pastor. I want everybody. I don't want to go to Hades in a handbasket being a fool. Games can't get out of hand. I just thought I'd scratch that itch a little. Amen. Now, take another place. Games that I'm seeing get out of hand. And it's so scary. Where holiness Little smiles, little snickers, wings. When a man of God's trying to preach righteousness, holiness, godliness. And somebody out there that knows better. They have been enlightened. And they start mocking, making fun of holiness. And holiness preaching. Such as one book I read called Pentecost, What's That? Written by a district superintendent that said, Whenever I hear somebody mocking holiness, I hear the death rattle in their throat. He would do very well to reread his book. Games can get out of hand. Amen. Where the oneness of God is looked at askance. Where it's been reduced to terms of it's just a matter of semantics. Or as one setting and group of that I know of for sure from the testimonies of two that were actually there and I was officially invited to be a member of but then it was disbanded where peoples that know better 
would actually make statements like, well, actually, when you get down to what a real Trinitarian is and their beliefs, I've never even met a Trinitarian. Oh, no. Oh, no. There is great discrepancies amongst the Trinitarian world, amongst themselves, over trying to define something as impossible to define as the Trinity. If they would discuss it amongst themselves, they would get into as huge a fusses as did Arius, Amen, and Athanasius back in 325 A.D. Do you understand? It was, it's bad. They, they can't get it together because you can't get it together because it ain't real. But however you want to cut it, Jesus said, except you believe that I am he, shall die in your sins. And they understood not that he spake of them of the Father. When you have seen me, you've seen him that sent me. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. To when God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. He was in the world and the world was made by him. I'm, I'm almost done, but just be, be seated. But I'm almost done. I really, musicians come so they know I'm not just faking here. Praise God. Amen. When this stuff gets, there, I'm going to tell you, you don't take the doctrine lightly. And if without holiness you're not going to see God, you don't take it lightly. You've probably heard me say this, but when I think of holiness and this gracious truth, it's like a big, vast tunnel with a dark, dark abyss at one end and a bright, bright, shining light of eternal glory at the other. And we are in this tunnel and we are walking either towards the light or the darkness. We're going one way or the other. Somebody may possibly be stopped for a relatively few milliseconds compared to eternity, wondering if they're going to go forward or go back. But ultimately, they will walk one way or the other. If they stop and steep in their considerations, they ain't going to make the light. And if you don't make the light, brother, the tunnel and everything else is going to be gone anyway. So the most important thing about the tunnel is not necessarily where you are as the direction you're headed. Because you can be one foot away from the pit. And if you turn around, and you start heading towards the light, and you never stop, you will eventually make the light. And you can be one foot away from the eternal light. And if you turn around, and you don't turn back, you 
will eventually make your way all the way to the dark, deep, eternal, abysmal pit. Wherever you are in the tunnel, don't ever forget, there's always somebody ahead of you. And there's always somebody behind you. The most important thing is the direction anybody's going. Are they drawing closer? Are they pressing on? Are they pressing in? However it is, you hear me, you don't play games in this tunnel. Doesn't mean you can't have fun. Doesn't mean you can't have the greatest, most beautiful fellowship in all the world. Doesn't mean there's not joy unspeakable and full of glory. But I'm going to tell you, it all depends on that condemnation, brother. Amen. Now, you may stumble, you may trip up, but brother, if you, the righteous may fall seven times, but they better get back up and keep on walking and keep walking in the right direction. If they never stop, they're going to be all right. But they got to get up and they got to keep going the right way, the right way, the right way. But let's all stand. But what I do struggle with is people playing games in the tunnel. We can have all kinds of fun, but don't play games in the tunnel. Because when I think of the gracious, powerful, beautiful, holy, righteous things of God and the price he paid to give them to us. And I think of games that get out of hand. When people start on a trek, it ain't worth it. Because listen to me, listen to me. When the saints of God, the church of God, the people of God, I appreciate you moving out these chairs. God bless you. If it's possible, let's try and move them all out, if possible. The tragedy, the real tragedy of playing games in the end time that are getting out of hand is, hey, brothers and sisters, how many souls are going to be lost? You're talking about moms and dads and sons and daughters and grandmas and grandpas, brothers and sisters. We don't got time for those kind of games. We got men to reach, women to reach. We don't have time to see ministries reduced and stripped down and seduced, amen, from fulfilling their calling and their scriptural destiny. I don't want to be like and I promise I'm, I'm right there at the foot of something as sacred as Calvary the bruising the bleeding the blood the pain the anguish the spittle the mocking the people passing by, wagging their heads. The thief on the right, the thief on the left, the high priest, amen, the chortlings, the ignominious rantings. And while Jesus, with the crown of the thorns, beat down into his skull, 
and a body like a plowed, back like a plowed field, and his visage marred more than any other. Pushing himself up with nail-pierced feet, pulling himself up with nail-driven hands just to get a breath. And for him to say, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. While at his feet, Roman soldiers are rolling the dice, as it were, playing games to see who would get the seamless garment. We're in the last of the last days. We're at the foot of the cross tonight. It ain't no time for foolish games. It ain't, it ain't no time. We don't have time for it. Somewhere, God, help us all to catch a crystal clear revelation that says, Jesus, you weren't playing games. You went all the way. So God, for me and my house, we're going all the way. I'm opening up this front. I, I know it's packed. I, I know, I know, I know. But if there's anybody, maybe you'd just like to slip out and say, God, I ain't going to be playing no games. God! I'm, 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 I'm renewing my vows. I'm, I'm making up my mind. God, I've got a mom and daddy. God, I've got brothers and sisters. God, I've got sons and daughters. God, I've got a church. God, I've got a man. God! We're not playing no more games. We'll have fun with each other. We'll, make, we'll have good times. But no, 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 no. From here on out, I'm making up my mind. I'm going all the way. I'm going all the way. I'm going all the way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, friend, let's pray. I came to this conference with over 30 messages. I came to this service with seven. Amen. I really wasn't sure that God wanted me to preach this, but can I tell you, I think He did. This is for you and I. It's for us. Come on. Let's make up our mind. We're going all the way. Step up close. If you can, step up close. Let everybody get as close as they can. Come on. Step up closer. There's a lot of people who want to come and pray. Come on. That's it. That's it. That's it. Come on. Come on. We're not going to let games get out of hand. We're making up our mind. We're going to live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world. Oh, that's it. That's it. Let's pray, daddies. Let's pray, mama. Let's pray! Let's pray! We're going to get serious about this!